if we're going to spend the majority of our time, let's just call it work. If we're going to spend the majority of our time doing that, let's say throughout our whole life, mm-hmm. there's got to be a good reason and meaning and purpose uh, behind it, right? And I think that's where the shift to the cathedral is, you know, when you do land on, when you feel like you're in line with your purpose, it, it is easier to see it. Wow, this is the impact. And then you become a servant of that. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Welcome to what promises to be an inspiring conversation today. Today we're talking about cathedral stories. And if you haven't heard about this before, I'll describe what a cathedral story is later in our conversation, but I wanted to give you some background first. A few years ago, my husband arranged to have dinner with one of his colleagues, a consultant he was working with at American Airlines. And I was fairly ambivalent about dinner, but happy to oblige. And the dinner was fine. Actually, it hit the spot because we were eating at one of my favorite Thai restaurants, but the conversation was delightful. I bet most of you listening have had one like this before. You're listening to someone talking about a situation at work or telling a story, and almost shockingly, you feel yourself pulled into an alternate world. This was my experience that night. I actually found myself fighting back tears as I listened to Jonathan Habercorn, who is my guest today, describe a profound experience he had, uh, an experience that he was moved by as well. Before I go any further, I feel like I've been talking a long time and I want to welcome you, Jonathan. So welcome and um, how are you today? All right, thank you, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good, I'm really excited. Great. You know, this, this conversation that we had several years ago has obviously stuck with me. And I don't think that at the time when we were sitting there with dinner, I said that that was a cathedral story. (laughs) But when I I contacted you, yeah, yeah. When I contacted you recently, you said, oh, I do see what that is. So Mm -hmm. before we go any further, tell us what you do and what you were doing at American Airlines, because it's the story is really centered around what you were doing at American Airlines at the yeah, time. Absolutely. So my name is Jonathan Habercorn. I am the CEO founder of a company named Intrazen. We specialize in HR processes, the design and build of the systems that make companies uh, run in their HR processes. And very specifically, we have this vision to multiply happier human connections. So uh, we've come to realize over the many years the impacts that we have in in the work that we're doing, Um, and especially when it comes to the design of software, we're not just building these systems, we are building the way that people are interacting with each other. So I got the good fortune to be a part of what would be Uh, what would become almost a five-year project, a complete transformation going on um, at American Airlines with all their HR systems. 
that was a multi-phase rollout. And that's how I got to be on the project. Yeah. And so you and Scott worked together for quite a while. You were practically living in Dallas. Uh, you were commuting back yes. and forth to, to Florida. And this particular story, which I will call a cathedral story, I think I'm understanding it happened as you were on your way back to Florida. Yes, absolutely. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So what happened was, well, this project that I've been working on, it's a, it's a multi-phase project. So before we even were able to go live, we've spent about a year building the system, going through all of the design components, the build of it, all the testing, and then rolling this out across the organization. So as you can imagine, this is like a, a, a huge amount of touch points that we have throughout our processes and throughout the system. And over the course of that year, we built that system. Then um, we got to a point where we went live and we then moved on to the next phase. So like you said, I was going week after week, um, every Monday, getting up at 4 a.m., getting on my flight, every Thursday, coming back uh, to Naples, Florida, and uh, going back and forth. Very particularly in one of these flights, it must have been, I would say, two, three months after we went live. I was on this flight and I was just kind of thinking about, you know, everything that went on as part of that. It was called wave one, the first rollout. Then, you know, flying back to Naples and I realized, okay, wow, this is pretty amazing. Some of the work that we've, we've done and the impacts that it's had. We had landed and then the pilot came on and gave a commemorative announcement that the person that was flying, the pilot that was flying, uh, was his first time flying at American Airlines. He had flown elsewhere uh, before, but that was his first uh, flight at American Airlines. So then I realized just moments ago before that, I was thinking about, wow, all the profound effects of the work that, you know, the impacts we were having as part of the, the work that we did with our Go Live. And then I realized after the pilot had said that, everything that led to the point of that landing, the person had to get hired and go through the whole set of processes that we had just built and uh, went live with. And then you realize that circular feedback of the work that you, you do and the profound effects that it has. But then it doesn't stop there. Of course, the mind, my mind just kept iterating like, wow, okay. Well, I mean, I knew it was already having a pretty, pretty huge impact, but then I realized, okay, that's, I'm on this plane flying back home based upon the system that was built to hire this person. But then there's all these other people on the airplane and they're all doing things and they needed a pilot. And then that's just one flight. How many flights are going every single day? You know, so you realize that the, the, impacts of the work that you have and the responsibility that you have for doing that at a very high degree is very important. So that's, that's what happened. And I realized, okay, that really set in. And I have to share that, I guess, it came out in our conversation together. So what I'm remembering is that a key part of this, of this system, this HR system is, you know, the, the, applicant, you know, when someone is is applying for a job yes. from the time that they apply 
to the time that they are hired, and then the system will will track them throughout their whole throughout it. Uh, employee uh, experience at that company. But because yes. of what I'm remembering about this uh, story was that you kind of went backwards in your mind and realized that this had to be one of the first people that came into the new using yes. the new system. So they were they were hired using yep. the new system. And now they're actually flying the plane that you're on, getting people back home safely to see their families and just the, you know, the, the safe arrival, yes. departure, yep. and, and even, you know, what's going to happen after everyone gets off, off the plane. So there you are commuting back and forth every week. And mm-hmm. the, the pilot is an important part yes. of that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just realized at that moment that, wow, that is a profound impact. And then it just kept expanding more and more beyond that. I mean, we know the impacts of the work that we do, and we should take that with high regard in any profession. Uh, But then the cascading effects of that, you know, these systems will live on to be, you know, 20 plus years um, and as companies are moving to software as a service, I mean, it might even extend beyond that. So the ability to to build a system that's going to um, attract candidates, people to an organization, and then all of the touch points that happen in between from somebody applying to the way that people are going to interact with the screening processes, other selection processes, interviews. Now people are connecting there, the way we give an offer, uh, the onboarding process and everything. All of those steps are all touch points. And each one of those are uh, important steps where an experience is being had. How can we make that as frictionless as possible? How can we create these like serendipitous moments of interaction as uh, people connect with one one another. If you think about it kind of in a different way as well, you could say, well, where is the system? I built this, you know, I'm one of many people, obviously, huge team of of folks who who did a tremendous amount of work, doing a great job. Uh, We all came together and we built this system. Where is this system? Can I go touch it? Well, you know, it's not a physical thing. So that's really intriguing when you think about it. Here we have people interacting based upon Mm -hmm. these systems that you can't, it's like an intangible thing in and of itself. But yet people are connecting together throughout the whole steps. But then even beyond that, I mean, there's like layers of experience in this, right? One one layer is the implementation. How was the, How well did we do in the implementation? What was people's experiences? And there's the outcome of, of that. Well, now people are utilizing this system, right? And um, they're interacting with people. But then the next layer is that pilot, the pilot, the end customer, right? So there's customers that are interacting with the people that we built the system to hire somebody for. And so there's so many layers of, of the experience that go into the design and build of one of these systems. And then ultimately the company has their own, you know, standards and what they want and how they're trying to make positive impacts in the world and, and building these systems to meet the mission of the organization and their vision. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And again, when I heard you that evening, I just, you know, I said, ah, 
this is a cathedral story. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the timing, I think, is really great, too, about for us to be having this conversation, assuming that as you all are out there listening, that you're listening uh, right around the time that this is being recorded, which is the Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, because this is a time when many of us go into some sort of uh, reflection about the year. And boy, you know, 2020 has been I've called it a whopper. It's been a booger. It's just been a really tough year. Uh, but then we're, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, then we're, we're looking into the next year. So in this case, it's 2021. And we can all have a cathedral story. And I do want to share the, the genesis of, you know, when I say cathedral story, it actually does have um, a root. And so I want to share that story a little bit. And then Jonathan, I want to go back and hear more about how you and your business continue to think about yeah. um, uh, the cathedral story. And so uh, the cathedral story is, is short. It's, uh, it's a parable, about three bricklayers, actually. And when I was doing research, I learned that it's actually based on a true story. And so in 1666 in London, there was a great fire, the Great Fire of London, they called it, and it burnt down a cathedral, uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, and it was being rebuilt again, I think maybe 1671, some, I can't remember the exact time frame, but the architect was actually on the job site and he was observing some bricklayers on their scaffold. And he basically asked them some version of, of what are you doing? And the story goes that the first bricklayer said, um, I'm, I'm a bricklayer, I'm working hard to make money so I can feed my family. And then the second bricklayer says, I'm, I'm a builder, I'm building a wall. And then the third guy says, I'm a cathedral builder. I'm, I'm building a cathedral where people will worship. And you know, basically they're, they're doing the same job, but the context and the orientation that they're doing it with changes everything. I mean, I just think about how we connect to the work that we do. And it's really easy to chop wood, carry water, you know, just kind of think of work uh, transactionally, just being productive, just getting through work. Mm -hmm. But then when we sit back and see the broader context and Jonathan, just like you were describing how the work that we're doing is going to be used, what's the long-term and even the multiplier impact that it can have it really changes, I think it changes the quality of mm -hmm. our work. Um, it certainly changes our experience of our work to see it that way. And so it's, you know, it's a great reminder this time of year to say, okay, what's my cathedral story? And I would say we all have mm -hmm. probably several cathedral stories if we, you know, follow the threads a little bit further. And so that's, you know, that's the whole meaning of the, the cathedral story. And as I went back and then now mm -hmm. looked at your website and have been speaking to you more, it feels to me like this is sort of a foundational principle that you yeah, have for your absolutely. business without calling it out. It's, it seems baked in. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. One of the key words that pops up into my mind is, is purpose. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about the, the pillars that we operate on, and I really want to dive on into that purpose side of it. Yeah, so IntraZen, uh, our pillars are people, business, technology, 
and purpose. Okay, so we build these systems. So that's the technology side of it. And these businesses are operating and doing positive, tr- looking to create positive uh, value in the world and meaningful types of products that are useful to people. And then that's where the people side comes in, you know, so, but it, it goes pretty deep in each of those. But I really, when I was first building out the, the pillars, I really thought, okay, it was people, business, and technology. And I tagged on to this other, this other piece, which is purpose. And uh, because there's got to be a why. There's got to be the meaning of why are we building this? Why does the business exist? Why are we getting up every day? And so, I mean, you hear that a, a lot in rhetoric, but I think it's really important because if we're going to spend the majority of our time, let's just call it work. If we're going to spend the majority of our time doing that, let's say throughout our whole life, mm-hmm. there's got to be a good reason and meaning and purpose uh, behind it, right? And I think that's where the shift to the cathedral is. You know, when you do land on, when you feel like you're in line with your purpose, um, it, it is easier to see it that, wow, this is the impact. And then you become a servant of that, especially if that's been a gift. If you've been given mm-hmm. a certain gift, that's kind of your purpose, right? You have a purpose and it, it is kind of your responsibility and duty to serve the world in that way. That's, that's where you know you're really in line. And so I think it's also easier to see the impacts when you do focus in on that, that purpose side of it. So I added that into the, the pillars um, and I think that it really is um, kind of the center pin of the people, business, and technology piece of it. But the purpose, really, all of those kind of tied into what Interzen represents. Yeah. yeah. So I get from my conversations with you that, and I and I believe we all have uh, a superpower. Mm-hmm. And what is it that you? Sometimes we think of it as something that we can't not do. So what is that mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. that you are so good at that Jonathan Habercorn is so good at and your, your gift to the world? What is that? Mm-hmm. Well, I've come to realize it over time. And that's solving pretty deeply complex and challenging problems. What I found is I realized that because the output of the work that I was doing, I hear very hmm. common uh, feedback, which which is that you're so calm. The work that we're doing is complex and very challenging, but knowing the impacts of the work that you do and what you have on people is Hmm. kind of what drives that calmness in me. I always look to try to stay centered and in the work that I'm producing, create these interactions that will be serendipitous and be able to reduce the friction because you hear this classically in IT when things go wrong what happens to people they get so angry you know they get upset that I sometimes I have to uh, just really you know focus in on that because I realize okay well these are systems there people are going to have some level of experience with this we got to get this right and so I would say that superpower is just solving these kind of complex challenging systems that will make an experience for people go a lot smoother. I guess in another, if you take it layers back from that, it would be to just make things operate smoother and easier. 
you know, just so that people don't have that type of experience. I think it's a, a compassion for people and making their experience really, really good versus the opposite of that. Nobody wants the opposite of that, right? <laughs> so, Well, I think what you're bringing is that combination of, of technology, which can be um, daunting and confusing and mm -hmm. very impersonal. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing yes. uh, a highly personal, compassionate perspective to that. And for someone like me, who's not good at technology, it's very, mm -hmm. um, it is very calming to know that there's going to be someone there that is seeing the bigger picture and that's uh, going to, to know where I'm coming from and, and care, uh, you know, and care where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And it feels mm -hmm. like that this is uh, an evolution or an iteration in how we're thinking about the intersection of people and technology. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's absolutely true. And I see this in business as I speak to a lot of my clients and it, it does make me incredibly happy to see this is on their in their minds and, and in the way that they want to operate companies as well. Um, they are thinking putting this kind of people first is the kind of terminology that we'll hear, this people first approach. You hear a lot of initiatives around diversity, which I think is absolutely great, you know, because we're looking at that and saying, uh, okay, well, did we build things, uh, you know, did we build systems that are causing inherent biases? Is there, you know, what can we do to, hmm. you know, like help with, you know, the way that uh, we're treating people and what systems can we put in place to either monitor that or to make, you know, this a better system for everybody. Um, and so I do see that quite a bit. There's, there is a, a lot of initiatives across, I'd say at least the clients that I'm working with mostly in the fortune 500s, um, a lot of initiatives around that. And I think going to the conscious capitalism <laughs> side of things, you know, putting your money towards initiatives that are worthwhile um, that could have positive lasting impact is, is super important. So I do see companies definitely going in that direction. Um, that's also part, and I would say very in line with the way that we want IntraZen um, to work. It's actually in our name, mm -hmm. um, IntraZen, since we're intricate, complex, intricate, but Zen, the, the peaceful side of things, right? IntraZen. So how do you make something complex, these complex challenges that are out there in the world, sometimes even quite chaotic, but then we have to, you know, you can't just do everything manually, right? We need these systems to kind of help us to, mm -hmm. and how can we build that and make this a good experience for as many people as possible? How can we do the, the highest good for the greatest amount of people? And that's kind of where this, uh, this name came from, uh, IntraZen. It's the problem and the solution in the same name. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I, I'm curious about you a bit, Jonathan, and you sure. said something about remaining uh, centered, you know, mm -hmm. when things do, because technology, just like everything else, breaks. And like you said, when you're working in a complex system, because it's touching so many mm -hmm. things when something breaks, when something goes down, uh, it can have a large impact and people get really yes. hot, irritated, frustrated by it. And how is it that they you can. remain yeah. calm? Do you have practices in place to help you with that? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. A lot of meditation. Mm. I have a lot of med. So that, that helps me to just be calm, be in terms of just being a leader, being able to be calm in the face of what can be incredibly challenging uh, situations that come up, uh, complex challenges where you need to be mm-hmm. thinking absolutely clear. There's not time for to panic. That's not the time. There are a lot of people looking for leadership in those moments. And so being that guiding light and the calm in the room for everyone is really important, especially in complex type of scenarios. Um, uh, we've, we have some core values as part mm. of IntraZen. The first one is to embrace ambiguity and uncertainty. Yeah, we have to embrace that. So knowing that um, things don't always go to plan, more times than not, they don't go exactly as planned. You know, there's deviations that happen. How, what's our response to that? How are we gonna react to it? We have the different ways we can react to it. We can be conscious about the way we're thinking and Mm -hmm. kind of deal with it and and handle it and give perspective around it. Or we could all panic, (laughs) which isn't, you know, it doesn't solve that. Um, Of course, you know, people are going to react different ways, different personality types and everything. Um, So, you know, I think there's a compassionate side of that. When people are freaking out, I realize, well, I get why they're freaking out. They're like, things are going on. Mm -hmm. They, They need guidance and leadership some calming instruction and ability to say, okay, we get it. Here's what we can do about that. And so you say a lot of meditation. Is that a daily practice for you? I try to do it every day, Mm -hmm. but um, it it doesn't happen always that regimented, but I do that and I do acupuncture. So between both of those, I usually uh, keeps me pretty centered. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, James Clear's uh, Atomic Habits. Have you? Are you familiar with that book at all? I have. Um, I've heard about it, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, yeah. the way that he starts with his thinking about habits is, um, mm-hmm. you know, who's the person that you want to be, and what habits support being that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds yeah. like for you, uh, meditation is that. And what I've you know, what I tell people about any kind of practice like a meditation or whatever as well is that it really does have to be a practice. Um, you can't mm-hmm. expect that when uh, stuff is flying, you know, and that things are breaking down, mm-hmm. that you can just yeah. call on being calm if you haven't practiced it. And so you really do have to practice it over a yes. period of time yeah. so that when you need it, you can, you can bring it on board and show up with that degree of uh, calmness mm-hmm. and even uh, equanimity at the, yes. at the time of yeah. crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I found that in those times, having mm-hmm. a very mm-hmm. clear vision of that end state, end state, a lot of noise, lots and lots and lots of noise, being able to focus in on, okay, this is the route. Here's where we need to be. We're going to be going in this direction. We've been going this direction now understand things didn't go exactly as planned, that's okay. We still got to be able to get to that end state. And so I think the meditation part really Mm -hmm. has helped me be able to focus in on just the signal versus the noise and then be able to support the clients. Mm -hmm. And even just internally, just myself, just to not be super stressed out 
doesn't work all the time, but <laughs> you know, I'm human too. <laughs> no, but I, I think that that's a great point because you're right now we're speaking about the value that you're providing that you and Interesting can provide to clients yes. because this is, this is your come from, mm -hmm. you know, you want to show up in this uh, certain way, yep. but it also has an amazing positive impact on your personal life. When, when you have a meditation practice or when you have a belief or, or knowledge about being calm, that the signal, yes. signal to noise, having a vision, knowing things are temporary, mm -hmm. hold, hold the compassion of people as maybe uh, the primacy, you know, the, the relationship, yeah, in high, yeah, regard. high regard. And that mm -hmm. it's not just about work. It's, you know, we're the same person that does our work that goes home. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting uh, point. And I think kind of tying back to that cathedral story, when you're in your purpose, what I've come to realize, I actually don't feel like there's a separation. Mm -hmm. um, there's this kind of dichotomy that I used to think of where, okay, this is work and then there's, you know, home life and then there's this. And yeah, we have different aspects, right? There's definitely different aspects of, of life. Um, but I guess once I've really found my purpose and have completely aligned mm -hmm. to that, it all seems like one life yeah. to me. It's all intertwining with each other. You know, I don't, I don't look forward to just going home, you know, you know, it's like, it's home, it's work. All of the things are, are together in one. And, and uh, you know, I've learned to appreciate it from that level of perspective. I once heard it put a, a different way, you know, oftentimes, uh, companies will say, oh, you need work-life balance, work-life balance. And I guess for many, that could mm -hmm. be, you know, a, a good thing. Um, I see it as a work-life integration. When you're in your purpose, you're not separating things out. Your whole life is your purpose, you know. So I've, I've mm -hmm. kind of seen and put it in that perspective that this is a, a work-life integration, um, it doesn't need to be separate. Yeah, I recently heard, I, it may have been uh, Kip Tyndall, who is the uh, founder of the Container Store. Yeah. I think it was him that used the term work-life harmonizing. Mm -hmm. and, and that has a whole different feel than, than balance, but harmonizing, yes. integration. Yes, that's whatever. another good way to put yeah. it, yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about... Um, you know, you've got mm -hmm. the pillars of your company yeah, and absolutely. you've got values. You know, just in general, I want to say it sounds like you've been very intentional mm -hmm. about how you've built this company from the name, from the values to the pillars and the company's purpose, your own purpose. It feels like there's yes. a very strong alignment there. Mm -hmm. Continuity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this is an extension of mm -hmm. myself. It's just my purpose in life and the being a servant to, you know, the clients and customers and then the lasting impacts that has for those businesses, including my own, my own and all the customers' businesses. And mm -hmm. then the people that are going to have those experiences from there. So when you see the, that level of cascading effect, um, I realized that, that that's a legacy stamp on the world. And it also comes with a great deal of responsibility. <laughs> so so we've mm -hmm. built the, all of these into our values. You got to have integrity, right? You're not building anything on top of non-integrity. So pretty high regard for the work that you do. And then, then that lasting impacts of what that means. 
I think that's what drives me and just the value to the world that we're providing. I can imagine that it's very compelling for people who are working with you both as employees or contractors. I know that you tend to um, bring people on and it's uh, kind of an always evolving and iterating business that way. But then also mm-hmm. to your potential clients yes. that just uh, I can imagine it's a very a- a- attractive uh, to, to do business with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, the common feedback that we hear is um, that we're able to take very complex and challenging things and make it very easy mm. and, and simple to understand. Um, and then the guidance through each step with a very high regard to the, the way that the experience is going to be, whether it's the implementation or if it's post go live and the users of the system, how they're going to interact. And then ultimately their customers, the way that the business we're implementing for mm-hmm. is interacting with their customers and that experience. And so being able to kind of see that through and through and then have the continuity of this experience layer, mm. again, multiplying happier human connections, that is the part that that just, it's the thread through it all. Given the year that we've just come off of, Jonathan, or that we're ending, I'm curious about what questions that you're asking yourself, of yourself and of your business for 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're always looking through the pillars and seeing how can we make that positive impact, right? Um, you know, seeing we're very carefully listening to our clients, especially right now, as they're going through budget discussions, mm-hmm. right? What's going to be meaningful? And there's, again, uh, embracing ambiguity and uncertainty. Companies are still trying to figure out exactly how 2021 is, is going to work. And now they're being asked to, you know, put forth a budget. Now, budgets this kind of on conscious capitalism a little bit, but budgets, the traditional way of budget planning, which is ultimately going to lead to some body of work mm-hmm. is through the whole year, right? So they say, okay, here's your budget for the year. That's the traditional way. I'm very much mm-hmm. an advocate of agile, the agile methodology. And it does handle these type of unknown, uh, unforeseen circumstances a little bit more elegantly, uh, which, uh, you know, I would say as I work with companies and what we're doing within our own company is continuing to be advocate of Agile because we know that things come up. We put forth our plans. This is what we know now, but let's go forward in another quarter. What do we know now? And then what do we know after that? And so the priorities can change. Uh, so kind of dealing with that ambiguity and mm-hmm. uncertainty, I'd say just being able to um, be flexible and adaptable. And I would also go as far as to uh, say, be forgiving, <laughs> forgiving. And if, if things change, you know, we, we do tie a lot of our expectations, mm-hmm. which ultimately leads to stress. Uh, to a particular outcome, but then something comes up and then that outcome doesn't happen or didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen, right? And so as we go through 2021, um, I can see that that there could be more unknown, unforeseen things. I mean, that could be any year really. So I think just having companies and people really move to this kind of agile model to 
continually reevaluate, but not put themselves under so much tremendous pressure that if they don't hmm. hit a particular target, that it's like pandemonium and the worst thing ever, you know, it's just being able to adapt as you go and navigate yeah. the unknown things. Priorities change. That's okay. We just have to be able to calibrate against it. I have found doing many implementations now, not one of them went exactly to plan, but all of them got to the finish line. Why? Why? It was because we adapted and calibrated and reoriented and that's agile. I mean, that's what our company is doing. That's what we're preaching to other companies. So as they think through that model of the year ahead, um, and I would say even in people's personal lives and goals, you know, you, you could use that there as well. Thank you. I am so glad that we covered this. I agree with you 100%, oh, yeah. you know, and I produce every year like a planning workbook. Mm -hmm. And part of it is looking back and part of it is looking forward. And I think that that agile methodology, I hadn't thought about it on a personal level, mm -hmm. but absolutely, we need to be flexible and adaptable. Yes. And Jonathan, even as I was listening to your perspective of purpose and how your purpose gets manifest, like, so right now mm -hmm. it's through IntraZen. Yes. But that Very could change. So. You know, it could. Yeah, that doesn't it absolutely mean, could. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, it's through IntraZen. You may yes. apply your superpowers in another way at some other point in time. And I think that that's another way for us to be um, kind of forgiving and uh, innovative. You were talking earlier before we hit the record mm -hmm. button about music and how there's the structure of music. Yes. But then there's the, I don't know if you, Improv. improv, improvisation. We have to be open yeah. to improv, oh, yeah. or we get so <clears throat> yeah. stagnant and stuck, and then that causes frustration. I think because things aren't going as planned, and improv is very life-giving mm -hmm. and fun. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're kind of living in that moment, going with it, adapting as things, you know, um, come along. I, I, I found that that's yeah. that creative space that you can go into actually leads to something that could be quite beautiful uh, that yeah. you never would have ended up in if you just stayed highly structured and to the plan, you know, um, actually some of the greatest inventions, you, you know, were that way they started doing experiments and that, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, right. That didn't <laughs> you know, work, but so this did. Thing. Let's, let's yeah. follow that path for sure. Yeah. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? If, uh, if someone is listening out there and they have a, uh, a big implementation, and you do specialize in the HR systems. Is that is that correct? That's yeah. correct. All yeah. HR processes. Yeah. yeah. So give us your uh, handles, your website, anything else that you want us to know about. Now's your time to shamelessly plug your business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, we love to serve. So uh, if anyone is interested to know more about IntraZen, you can go to our website. It's www.intrazen.com, I-N-T-R-I-Z-E-N.com. Uh, you can also find us on all the social medias. We have the handle, we are IntraZen. You can reach out to us at any point. Nice. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much. I want to say that we'll have links to any of the things that we've talked about here in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you. I think the timing is perfect. And I really appreciate the context and your orientation for how you're doing your work. And the cathedral story that you just operate with then 
all the time. Uh, thank it's you. Just, uh, it's it's yeah. It's it's comforting knowing that there are IT people out there putting together big systems that have uh, that are working from a, a cathedral story perspective. Well, thank you for having me on the show here. Really appreciate it, and I'm. We'll have to do another dinner sometime. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening and remember, elevate your part of the world.